Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Prescott in the gun, runs up the middle. To the 30, to the 25, and slides. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Did he spike it in time? Didn't get it spiked in time. They haven't They haven't said anything official. The back judge, the man deepest away from the ball, he's got the clock. He's keeping track of the clock. Scoreboard so, clock is running at zero. Yeah, so he would be the one to determine where the clock was. Now, again, this could... That's the end of the game. Oh, wow. There you go. Ah, people now throwing stuff on the field. That's not good. That's not good. Water bottles are coming down. These officials need to get out of it. Yeah, that's not good. Stay classy, Dallas. To know everything that we put into this day in and day out, try our hardest. Um, nobody comes in in the game wanting or expecting expecting to lose. And um, for, for people to react that way when you're supposed to be a supporter um, and, and be with us through thick and thin, uh, that's tough. Credit to them then. They weren't doing a tank. Oh, credit. Credit to them. You know, the only thing worse than a choker is a crier. Uh, that was real disappointing wow. from Dak Prescott. Uh, who's better than that? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go there. I'm, I'm a, I don't like that phrase, but I'm gonna use it because I know You're that Dak Prescott that. is better, better than, than that. that. Michael Smith is better to encourage fans to respond right. to their disappointment by throwing objects on the field at the officials. When the truth of the matter is, ironically, it was the talented Dallas Cowboys, the loaded Dallas Cowboys, the overhyped Dallas Cowboys who perform like trash. You know, they have no credibility here. The Cowboys have no credibility. How can the most penalized team in the league this season? How can a team that was penalized 14 times for 89 yards, including nine on offense, four of those yeah. penalties gave the 49ers first downs. How can that team have any credibility or how can that team be trusted to actually execute a play properly? Of course they screwed up the final play because they're the Cowboys. Like there's no way in hell anybody in his or her right mind could blame the officials for the Cowboys not executing a play perfectly and make no mistake. It had to be perfect in order for it to work in order for I mean Dak Prescott snapped the ball a half second too late because the Cowboys right. or the cow babies. Right. I should call them right now if they're any, any, to whom it may concern any of the Dallas Cowboys complaining about the officiating on that last play. I'm calling you the cow babies. Okay. All right. Whoever's crying that that play didn't work. It was an awful play call and it was exactly. a, and it was an awful play call compounded by Dak Prescott sliding too late. Yeah. Yeah. Further compounded by instead of Dak Prescott, see they needed Larry Fitzgerald, because Larry Fitzgerald would have known to give it to the umpire. Further compounded by Dak Prescott handing it to the center, 
standing in the way of the umpire, the umpire doing his job. The only person on that play that did his job was the umpire. Everybody else did a piss poor job in Dallas, but the umpire on that that situation. So so Dallas got what it deserved. The bottom line is Dallas got what it deserved. The only person I'm upset with is me for actually at any point this season believing that the Cowboys will be any more than what they are, which is a bunch of underachievers. Yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, it's funny that you said the only person who did his job is the umpire because I do have a problem with the officiating uh, throughout this game and in a couple of weekend games, but not in that particular moment. I agree with you. In that moment, I have no problem with the officiating. Big picture, I'm going to go macro. There's a lot to really uh, nitpick and seriously tear down the, at the foundation of officiating itself. I mean, I think it's, it was that serious this weekend, and it's been that serious for quite a long time in the NFL, but I, I don't want to talk about that right now. That's what I want to talk about. Dallas Cowboys, two things that you should have known. This is coaching, and this is not, like players just not taking enough control of, of what's happening to them. Coaching, you got to know this. The play started, the first play before the slide, the, the draw started with 14 seconds left on the clock. So you really, that's not enough time. 14 seconds left on the clock. He Back went into home. the slide with about eight or seven seconds left. We can play it again. You'll see it. Watch the clock on it. Eight or seven seconds. He gets back up. As you pointed out, he didn't get everybody aligned just right. Give the ball to the umpire first. Cut out the middleman and then just get a, a, a quick snap. All right, here it is. 14 seconds. Look at this. Watch this play. So now our clock's running. He's going to go into the slide around eight. Nine, eight, okay, seven. Uh, you don't have enough time. This is not enough time. Everybody can't get set. Umpire's like, get out of the way. I'm trying to do this. It's just so that that was sloppy on their part. But here's the other thing, Mike. You've got C.D. Lamb. You've got uh, Amari Cooper. You've got Wilson, who who's a, a pretty big playmaker. What are you doing? I and last play of that game. Is that your best play? You got to think about this. You got to think what's going to give us our, our best chance. And here's the thing. They weren't that far away. I would have just forget about the draw. Give me a couple of shot, a shot or two at the end zone. You've got those playmakers. Go do it. Go for the end zone and see what happens. It's really a, a bad way to lose a game. But with all that being said, Mike, last thing I'll say. San Francisco is better than Dallas. San Francisco well, that's the bottom line just right and now they were all game. The way, the way the way they match. It's a good matchup and in, in, in the NFL playoffs are all about matchups. Sometimes you're better than the other team uh, overall regardless. Sometimes you just match up really well with the team. I think San Francisco matches up beautifully with Dallas and I'm not sure even if they had another second or two or five that they would have come up with the right play. Well, look, nobody was shocked by the eventual outcome of this game. A lot of people had San Francisco not only winning uh, over the Cowboys, but going deep into the playoffs. That that, that proverbial dangerous wildcard team. Okay, so nobody was shocked that a talented 49ers team pulled off the win, but they didn't just pull off the win. For the most part, they dominated Dallas, and that's the hard truth. And and listen, man, I, I am not a Cowboys hater. I'm not one of these talking heads that gets off on the Cowboys being miserable. In fact, people that know my story know that I was a Cowboys fan in the 90s. I grew up rooting for Irving and Aikman and Emmett. So and, and Jimmy Johnson. So I love the Cowboys. So quite the contrary. I'm not one of those people that just wakes up enjoying, 
you know, uh, the, the schadenfreude of, of, of Cowboys Nation's misery. No, but like the truth of the matter is the better team was San Francisco, especially in the trenches. Dallas couldn't block San Francisco. Dallas couldn't run the ball. Dallas couldn't protect um, Dak Prescott and Dallas couldn't stop San Francisco from running the ball the way it wanted to. So Dallas just got its ass kicked and then for Dallas Cowboys fans so-called fans to show their ass at the end of the game and get mad at the officials. They were lucky it came down to the last play. It doesn't come down to the last play if Trent Williams lines up properly and there's not a false start when Jimmy Garoppolo converts a quarterback sneak. Like the, the, the old adage is, or you can't put it in the game, can't put the game in the hands of the officials. They literally put the games in the hand, put the game in the hands of the umpire, and they got the result they deserved. How a team that led the league in penalties this year and got 14 penalties for 89 yards could complain about the officiating screwing them at the end of the game when they couldn't line up right half the time is beyond me. Yeah, I mean, let let the and I want to go back to that point. Because this is their big problem. This is Dallas's big problem. The penalties. They're undisciplined. So it's almost like it's all oh, right. It's almost like people who have problems pointing at each other saying you're the problem. The officiating is a problem throughout the National Football League. It is. But the Dallas Cowboys in this in this in this realm are probably the worst defenders. So the officiating is a problem. You got some bad offenders. And they are and, and they just keep pointing the finger at each other. Well, hey, you're a problem. Well, yeah, you're undisciplined. But see, I wouldn't be so undisciplined if you wouldn't call all those penalties. But you know, you get a lot of penalties. I we call penalties uh, on a lot of teams, but we call the t- penalties the most on you guys. It's back and forth. And I really no, think about it. They're most penalized for a reason. Hey, Mike, Mike, the, if you really think about the Cowboys, the Cowboys in this non-championship era, they keep so falling. Thirty years. 27 years for the same. They have a lot of these coaches who don't cross T's and dot I's. I mean, really think about it. It's amazing. Now they won a championship with one of them. Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer was he wasn't buttoned up, but they, you know, they were so good. They won a championship. Barry Switzer was coaching, but Barry Switzer uh, wasn't uh, uh, looking for all the, the, the devil in the details. He wasn't. Um, Wade Phillips was not that guy. Mike McCarthy's not that guy. Jason Garrett was not that guy. Like, why do they keep they keep getting these coaches where we always every year this some version of this conversation happens. Hey, Cowboys may be the most talented team in the league or they may have the best offense, but they just get it together. If they would stop making all these silly mistakes, if they could come through in the clutch. That's what shocked me about Jimmy. That's what shocked me about Jerry Jones saying at least in the moment. Coaching changes off the table. Now, Stephen Jones came back and said today on radio that he was confident that Mike McCarthy would be back. And I know, obviously, Dak was hurt last year, and he had a nice season. They had nice numbers. They had pretty stats. They had two All Pros on defense, and they were at the top of the league in defensive uh, uh, DVOA. Sloppy. Uh, it, sloppy. And they were at the top of the league in scoring on offense. But this is who they've been all year: is undisciplined and sloppy. And it came back to bite them. So how? How Jerry Jones could watch and listen. It's not that Kellen Moore did anything to acquit himself yesterday to suggest that, you know, he's the next big thing as a head coach. I know he's a, a hot interview candidate, but how Jerry Jones could watch both Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn get interview after interview around the league. Know that he may lose both his coordinators 
And I've, I'm not, I've never called for anybody's job, and I'm not about to start calling for somebody to be fired. I like Mike McCarthy a lot. known him for a long time. Known him since he was uh, offensive coordinator in San Francisco when he got the job in Green Bay, and even before that when he was in New Orleans. I like him as a man. He's been a really good coach, but his flaws speak for themselves, specifically as it relates to game and time management. How Jerry Jones could look at a Cowboys team that's got all these horses, okay, got all this talent, got this great roster, had this great regular season, but led the league in penalties and on Sunday kept walking backward. The Cowboys kept shooting themselves in the foot. How he could sit there and just dismiss out of hand a coaching change is puzzling because otherwise, how you could not have coaching change on the table if you're starving for a championship and you watch your team self-destruct the way it did yesterday. Okay, but maybe, okay, uh, can I answer that question? Maybe the Please. reason he can do that is because if he's going to go for a different type of coach, different type of coach, then maybe that, that that person will not coexist with him. All right. Well, that's and that's I, always been the big thing with Jerry Jones. Who can he? And I'm and I'm just being fair about it. Look, okay, the guys who want he coexisted a little bit with Jimmy, like Jimmy's that guy. Jimmy is a you know t runs a tight ship, and for whatever reason, that they fell out. Okay, that's that's ancient history as well. You know, well traveled ground. No, Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells is that guy too. Are, are you willing to bring in somebody who says this is the way it's got to be? And and I, you know, we we can't have this. Huh? And I'm going to penalize these guys. I'm going to find these guys. I'm going to make sure we're disciplined. I'm going to run a tight ship, not just during the game, but off the field too. And like we, we just go. This whole operation is a little too loose. Everybody's a little too loose. Everybody's a little too comfortable. I'm going to tighten the screws here. Is Jerry Jones comfortable with somebody coming into the operation, to the football operation, and doing it that way? I don't know. Because I don't think, I know, I know his, neither coordinator is that guy either. Dan Quinn is not that. Yeah, he's like, he's from the Pete Carroll school. It's like, it's all, it's hang loose, it's fun. It's, hey, let's, let's have some fun. Let's, let's make this competitive, and I'm a player's yeah. coach. But it's not, hey, fellas. We can't do this. We got to be in the bottom five in the league, not in the top five. We got to be in the bottom five no, in the not, league when it no, comes to penalties. The, they're not the bad cop. Because we're, we're crushing. They're not the we're bad crushing cop. ourselves. If but anything, hey, you want to blame it. If you want to at Jerry Jones, blame the configuration at AT&T Stadium. You know, whether it's a punt hitting your scoreboard or, or the sunlight blinding your players. I mean, this was just, this was such a perfect storm of, of, of the Cowboys cowboying, for lack of a better phrase. I mean, and, and, for for anybody to focus on that last possession and that last play. This is great stuff. And this think that that did anything other than prolong the inevitable. The Cowboys were in desperation mode because they put themselves there. It's really that simple. I like the couple. So now when it comes to like evaluating the offseason, now when it comes to evaluating the offseason, if you're Dallas, I don't I don't know that you can afford again 12 and 5 you know, good, good first full season. You know, last year is tough to count against Mike McCarthy, given the quarterback situation. I don't know how if you're if you're Jerry Jones. Let's face it, your biological clock is ticking. It's just facts. You know, you've gone 30 years since being in the NFC Championship game. Forget a forget a Super Bowl. It's been 27 years since they've been in an NFC Championship game. So, if you're Jerry Jones, I don't know how anything could be off the table as championship starved as this franchise is. You go ahead and get the last word, man, and we could we could put a bow, put a button in this for now, put a pin in it for now. Well, I, I want to say uh, two, th uh, two, two or three quick things. One, I was just pointing back. You br bring that last one up with those pictures of the Cowboys fans suffering. Uh, I, I like I like the couple up top. 
just kind of going through it. And Tony Romo uh, made this case up top. There you go. <laughs> you know, like, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It didn't like this for you. But Tony Romo made the, the point during the broadcast that people were crying with like four minutes to go. They're like, here we go. He's, there it is. Like 402. What you doing? What you crying for? Why are you crying? You got plenty of time. It's a one possession. You can they've even miss the extra point. Miss the extra point. You're going overtime. <laughs> you can win it with extra point. <laughs> That's one. Right, here's the other thing. With the Cowboys, we've talked this long about this game and have not mentioned the San Francisco 49ers enough. Can I just tell you, I, I, I made this point to you. They, San Francisco deserved to win. Dallas didn't. It's that simple. It's really that simple. I, I, I said to you um, last week, just watching their wide receivers, like when I'm, when I'm the consultant for the team that you're the general manager of uh, in two years, I'm going to put on the San Francisco 49ers tape in your, and, and you won't be coaching, the, you won't be general manager of the 49ers. Maybe the Saints. You'll be the general manager of the Saints going back home. Michael Smith comes back home, billboards, everything, Canal Street. Everybody goes crazy. But I'm going to put on that Debo Samuel tape. Look, I, I've, never, I've never played wide receiver at any level, but I want it to look like that. If I were to do it, I want it to look like that. And that team, I don't know if they have enough overall including coaching just is a overall I don't know if they have enough to knock off the Green Bay Packers but I'm telling you that might be the game that may be the game of the postseason watch well, out for that team they do a lot I, of things well especially if they're healthy. I don't feel I don't feel bad about not talking about the 49ers as much you know why because we got all we can talk about the 49ers because the 49ers are moving on we're pacing ourselves they're moving on to play Green Bay Dallas is once again going home early okay um Man, I don't know how Jerry Jones considering just say let's run it back. He, he might lose both his coordinators. We'll talk to Charles Robinson about that in a minute. But yeah, Mike McCarthy is who he is, and somebody's got to be held responsible for being the most penalized team in the league and having that same fatal flaw cost you your season. That you cost yourself your season, Dallas. Not the officials, not the umpire. It's the flags that you force those officials to throw all day, as you've done all season. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Um, obviously, we know this team pretty well. It's the third time we've played them. Uh, that's 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 a good team we just played. Um, and the way we came out and executed, Dable, um, Dable lit it up, just the play calling. And our guys went out there and made some plays. You see Motor catch a check down and drag two or three guys and get first downs. Gabe Davis makes an unbelievable catch across his body. Dawson Knox there late and then getting Tommy Doyle a touchdown. That was, that was pretty fun. So guys were locked in. We had a lot of different play calls tonight. Um, but at the end of the day, we went out there and executed and um, I, again, I think it just kind of goes back to how we practice this week and what we prepared to do. Man, listen, um, that was a beating 
20 years in the making. Uh, demons yeah. were exercised. Uh, statements were made. <laughs> words were eaten. Uh, but Michael, when we talked about the Patriots last week, um, you, I think you called them the worst team in the postseason worst field. Worst team in the postseason. Bad as, and as bad as Pittsburgh looked against Kansas City last night, as bad as Philadelphia looked uh, for the most part against Tampa yesterday, uh, it is hard to argue. Uh, the Patriots look so overwhelmed, so overmatched. So I guess I'll, I'll ask it. I'll ask you this question. I'll ask it this way: Was that beatdown in Buffalo? Was that more about how good the Bills are or how bad the Patriots are? Well, since everybody in Buffalo's mad at me, bring it on, baby. Bring it on, Western New York. I got no reason to come there. Um, they're What'd mad at me because I said, I said Buffalo's not good. After, you say now I said it, not, not, just, I said it two days before the game. Mm-hmm. I said, said it Buffalo wasn't good two days before the game. You said the day before the game. Day up, day, uh, game day in pregame. Set it in post game. Uh-huh. Now post game got it. Post game got up a lot of a, a lot of attention. Post game, they won. Post game, you said yeah. Buffalo wasn't good. Well, you know what? I Not ain't from Buffalo, team. but I'm mad at you. Well, I'm mad at you. Okay, go ahead. Be mad. But look, that, now you're making me look bad. Now, I'm, now I'm guilty hey, no, by association. No, no. no. Hey, hey, listen. You're your own man, and I'm my own yeah, man. Yeah, but I'm saying. And here's the great thing. My credibility at stake. Why would you say that? This is why I would say that. This is why I would say that. Uh, here's the number now. Uh, New England won 10 games, right, on the season? New England won 10 games. Buffalo has won 12 games. That's 22 wins between those two franchises. And if you exclude each other, that, that they've beaten each other, if you exclude that, that's one playoff win. They've won one playoff. They've beaten one playoff team between them. One. Buffalo over actually, Kansas City. Okay. It's actually two. It's actually two. It's New England over Tennessee and Buffalo over Kansas City. So I just don't feel like either team is that great. I told you before the game, the Patriots, but we'll talk about Buffalo in a second and then give them their, their credit for this win. For this particular win, they deserve all, all the credit in the world. Big picture. We'll see. We'll see on Sunday. And if they're right, they'll be moving on to the AFC so, Championship game. If I'm if I'm right, season's over next so week. What you're anyway. say, so what you're saying is, if if I could translate, if if not that you need it, because I just want to make sure I'm understanding. Let me make sure I'm clear. They're not as good as they look Saturday night. So when you say they're not right. that good, you don't mean that they're not a good team or they're not that good of a team. I don't think you mean that they're not. I don't think they're a good team. As, I don't think I don't See, think I'm try, they're I'm trying to help you. I, 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 don't help me. I don't want it. Like, and see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You're doing the same thing that what? my sanctimonious co-host did on Saturday, and it kind of muddied the waters because I was trying to say what I need to say, and these tryhards. Yeah, you're a grown ass man. You're a grown ass man. Yeah, you say. So, yeah, you, you know you know how to so, you know how to you know how to use words. You know how to speak English. Go ahead. Yeah. Do you? Do you? So, <laughs> step aside, Butch. Okay, step aside. <laughs> now, listen. The Patriots, in all seriousness, what the Patriots did on Saturday, they've done for a month. 
They, they, they were the opposite of winter soldiers. They were not winter soldiers. They did their best work uh, in October and November. But as the great Stevie Wonder said, where was I? Where were you when I needed you uh, last winter? They weren't around. They took the winter off. Paper Tigers kept starting slow, trying to play catch up, not able to stop anybody looking old and two and three steps behind on defense. That's who the Patriots were the last month of the season. Who knows what they are going forward? So they got exactly what they deserved. In the last two games against Buffalo, just to tell you how bad it is, they played Buffalo three times in 41 days. First time, you know, that windblown game, they won by four points. Second time, Josh Allen went in Gillette <clears throat> Stadium. They didn't punt the day after Christmas, and they didn't punt on Saturday night. So two games, two full games, eight quarters against the Patriots, and they didn't punt. They're much better than the Patriots. No question. They're much better than the Patriots. I don't know if Buffalo has enough to keep up with the way they're playing right now and the way Tennessee has played since they played Buffalo and the way Kansas City has played since they played Buffalo. I don't think Buffalo was on that level. Buffalo's a, a step below them, in my opinion. And it's just an opinion. Okay, but wait. And we'll see. see. And we'll see if I'm uh, right or not. We'll see. But, it, but, uh, but, but okay, you had Pulp Fiction a second ago. Step aside, Bush. Bush. She, Negro, that's all you had to say. I think, honestly, it's the you saying, okay, Michael, you saying the Bills are not that good is different from the Bills aren't to me as in you as good as Kansas City or even Tennessee. That's like, but 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 you can't say that somebody's not that good when they just put forth the type of offensive performance that we've literally never seen in the history of pro football. Who'd they beat? But like they've been playing football Who'd for a long time. Well, wait a second. Hold on. They, they beat somebody else. Who, they beat another playoff team. They beat another team that was in the playoffs. Whether you thought they, they were deserve, good or not, they deserve to be there. They went. Well, the record said otherwise. I they know, got in the yeah, playoffs. But yeah. They got, they got in the playoffs. They, they beat who they they was in front of them. I, I, think, I think the problem, if I may, respectfully, and I, this is not respectfully followed by disrespect. Respectfully, I think you're looking through it, looking at this game through the prism of the Patriots too much. And if you think so little of the Patriots, which I'll top, I, I reminded right. you, Ron, everybody yes. else, that you did, right. then literally did, yes. you feel like anybody could have done what Buffalo just did I to do. the Patriots. I they really were that do. Bad. I, I promise no. you I feel that way. And I that's Pat. Yes, they could. And you're entitled to feel that way. You're entitled to feel that way, but that's false. Not when Buffalo is an AFC championship participant from last year. Not when Buffalo, here's your favorite stat. Led the league in point differential this year. Oh, had the number one oh, defense. You even lauded last week. Look who they Michael, played. Week. I'm like, look who they beat. They ain't beat nobody. They ain't beat nobody all year, Mike. Okay, they beat Kansas City. But uh, look, look, uh, that's a lot of empty calories. That's a lot of empty calories that Buffalo and New England had. Because the, fa the, the fact of the matter is, if you look at the tone. numbers, I think it's tone. I think it, it's tone. How'd you I, say? How'd you say? I'm doing it. How'd purpose. you say it? No, but how'd you say it? Just like when you say worse. when you say Buffalo. No, no. Let me know oh, when you say Buffalo's not nasty. that good. It's the emphasis. Did you say? Did you say that? Did you say Buffalo's Buffalo's not that good, or Buffalo's not that good? No, right? no, no. You, no, no. you emphasize no, no. the that. I, then no, I, I, it was 
the way I said it. Lifeline. Take the way I said it. Here's it. No, I don't want it. The way I said it intentionally. You don't want to be saved. I don't want friends. Mike, Mike, I got enough friends. I don't need no new friends. I got enough this friends. This is about me. I got as people much as it who is love about me. you. Okay, don't worry about it. Okay, Mike, you excused. You you got immunity, diplomatic immunity in every ghetto community. Okay, you're good. All right. What I'm saying to you, what I'm saying is, I did it on purpose. I did it on purpose. You were trolling. Where you were trolling. It, it was. It wasn't even about the Buffalo Bills. It was about being a Western homer. New York. It was about Western New being York. A home, you, you were trolling. I you wasn't being, being a, homer. a homer. I wasn't being a homer because I was being disrespectful to the Patriots too. I just wanted. I was just. I was just in that bag. I was feeling some kind of way. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna put it. I'm gonna let so it out. Pe- so the people like me that don't know you, they don't. They don't know what that. I got you. I got you. I got you. Oh, they come. I got you. Oh, they come. I got you. They come, keep coming. I got you. They be coming. And here's the funny thing. I love on Instagram was like, Cindy wants to send you a message. I don't know. Okay, Cindy, I ain't taking your message. I know what you want to say. I ain't taking your message, Cindy. Dave, Bill's Mafia wants to send you a message. Okay, wait. Come okay, on wait. now. So, hold on. So, so Michael, Michael, Michael I, apo- I apologize. Since you do 511 shows, unfortunately, I can't watch everything you do. So I missed this. Okay, I missed this. But. Yeah. Gary on the kick drum. We now have it apparently. So I, I, I let me see what all the fuss is about. And if in case you, literally in case you missed it, I missed it. Here we go. Oh, but Patriot but Bills. I'm asking you on that. I care. I care because you. She's saying uh, she asked me about Buffalo and New England. That this tells you about New England and Buffalo. Buffalo, the fact that they're not that good and they're able they to do that. Are to you, good, they're not Mike. That, uh, not Mike. Tom, they have beaten three playoff teams this year. Two of them against the pay. Two wins they against the Patriots. They lost. Okay. So, so they got Wait, twelve Mike. wins, two against playoff teams. I don't want to interrupt, so I'm going to give you a. But, but I gotta at some point say you can't watch what they did to the Patriots tonight, mm-hmm. what they did to the Patriots in the last meeting, a team that was 9-4, and four, a team that had computer, and say it's not a good team. I mean, they have, we can talk about Lamar Jackson and here, Patrick Tom. Mahomes. I watched them all year. We can talk about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. I like execution there. Okay. okay. Right. Get our okay. shit together. Right. We'll try that again. Um, yeah, that's all right. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I still don't know what you said. You, what were you saying? Um, so a- after the game, my point is if you're, if you're the New England Patriots and we knew this was coming, we knew a loss is coming. I didn't know a loss was coming like this. I did predict that Buffalo would win the game. I thought Buffalo would win the game by a couple of points because as I said before the game, these are two, I think, I think these are two very flawed teams, but if, with the Patriots, if you look at the numbers, Mike, their point differential numbers are also in a top. Five I remember. Yes. Yes, de- absolutely. Their defense. Their defense is number two in the league, but I think those numbers are totally skewed by some of the performances that they had. They gave up 10 points to Jacksonville. Buffalo lost to Jacksonville, by the way. Uh, they, they beat down the Jets a couple of times. So those numbers yeah, yeah. are thrown off. Yeah, if but you really I'm sorry. It's just flawed. Okay. Your, your logic's flawed, brother. Like and if, and if, and if you if, Based on the talent that Buffalo, based on the talent that Buffalo has, if you want to hold Buffalo's schedule against them, what a lot of places, quarterback, wide receiver, defense, it's not their schedule. 
It is how they performed with their schedule. It's not like, hey, you played an easy okay, schedule. Well, potato, it's potato, potato. You, okay. No, no, hey, it's different. So, and I didn't say, no, I didn't I, say I, that. I, no, I, I overstand. No, I, well, no, I overstand. There's, they beat that streak of all of their wins this year by at least a dozen points, if I'm not mistaken. So, over they, who? Doesn't okay. that matter? Okay, it clearly no, matters to it you. It doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter. Buffalo has been a good team for the last couple of years. Buffalo is a good team. Did they beat down inferior competition? Sure. Wait for yeah. it because most of the competition is inferior by comparison because maybe they're just that good. Now, did the Patriots no. are the Patriots so bad? Let me marry these couple. Let me marry these things. I'm gonna try. Are the Patriots so bad? Because I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. Are the Patriots so bad? And do they match up so poorly with Buffalo that they yes. made Buffalo look even better than Buffalo yes. is? Perhaps. Absolutely. But that does that I, no, doesn't no, mean that Buffalo is 100% not real. But it doesn't mean that 100%. Buffalo is not a good team and that Buffalo is not capable of beating Kansas City, which wait for it, they've done already. So all Buffalo has to be, I said wait for it too many times. I gotta stop doing that. All Buffalo has okay. to be is better than Kansas City, which as long as you got 17, long as you got that creative player under center, it's possible for Buffalo to keep up with Kansas City. If anybody could keep up with Kansas City, it is Josh Allen and Buffalo. As it relates to what we saw Saturday night, not only, so it was crazy. We went from, oh man, it's Buffalo's uh, division now, to oh snap, the league then messed up and let the Patriots get Mac Jones. It was fun while it lasted, Buffalo. Now yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's still New England's division to opposite extreme after what we've seen the last two games yeah. is that there is a huge gulf, a huge gulf wider than the distance between Foxborough and Buffalo, a huge gulf between these two teams and it's under center. And it's still and it's under center, which is the exact opposite of what it's been for the last 20 years. I don't, think, I that, Buffalo, I don't think that's what it is. I know in Buffalo, they are tired of, of participation trophies. I know you and I disagree on what an, what an accomplishment it was for Buffalo to go no. to four straight Super Bowls and lose them See, all. I'm not trying to go there it, again. Yeah, but what I'm yeah, saying right, is right. Buffalo's like Saturday night was I think we can agree on this for now. Buffalo's got this division on lock. And Buffalo will yes. continue just as it was last year. Continue to be in the mix to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl year in and year out as long as 17 is there. Are they going to blow the doors and, off of everybody else the way they did the Patriots? Maybe not, but Buffalo's damn good. You can, and I'll, and regardless of who they played and how they performed against who they played Buffalo's damn good. And I don't know how you could say otherwise. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see that. But I'll say this. Um, I was wrong about them. Uh, when they when they lost to the Patriots and it was like three passes and thirty at one point the Patriots called thirty three straight runs against Buffalo that's crazy in an a, a NFL game called thirty three straight runs and their safeties uh, Micah Hyde and Poyer were asked after the game is this embarrassing they took umbrage with it they they took some issues with those questions uh, yeah and you and I disagreed and we talked on about response. it and we talked yeah. about it I yeah. thought at that moment the Patriots had reclaimed the division. I was wrong. They are not as good as the Buffalo Bills. So, so let me just make this plain for the people in Western New York and parts of Canada who keep writing me 
and spelling offense O-F-F-E-N-C-E. I live in the United States of America. I actually, prefer, I actually prefer it. I actually prefer that spelling. I don't spell it that way. I don't spell it that way. I like it. I, Come I wish on. I did. I don't use I, wish I, did. I don't use a metric system. All right. So for those people, let me make Everybody a Everybody else does but us. I know. The Bills are better than they the They don't Patriots. know what a quarter pounder is. The yeah. Bills are much better than the Patriots. But I don't think the Patriots are very good. They ended, they were sliding. And I think the Bills are the best team in the AFC East. That's all I can say. They're the best team in the AFC East. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see soon. Soon. I'm either really, really right or really, really wrong. And we'll find out on Sunday. That's the beauty of it. There's an answer to this. This debate doesn't have some, to go round and round. There's an answer. I guess there's some I guess it's coming. there's some I guess there's something to be admired about that, man. I guess there's something to be admired about that. Like if you go if you're gonna be wrong, you're gonna be big wrong. I dig it. I dig it. I, I think it, I think it's insane, and you know, I'm glad I'm not guilty by association. Thank you for letting me off the hook. You off the hook. As a matter of fact, I need to go at the whole area. Just know, but but just know Rock, that you represent us when you out in these streets saying this ridiculousness. Rochester, no, you representing me too. I'm going to Rochester. You know how your mom used to say, you remember, you know, you say you represent the family when you're in the streets. You represent us. Be mindful of that, please. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. I would like to say uh, that that uh, that when I look at the year, uh, I, I feel one way. Uh, but the year, a big part of it, when you got a team like this, is winning tonight, and we didn't uh, get her done tonight. That's big time disappointing. I'm really, I'm really disappointed for our fans. Uh, they uh, they uh, really deserve to see this team advance on into the playoffs. Is there any possibility of you making a coaching change? I don't even want to discuss anything like that at this particular time. No discussion. The team shouldn't have been in a position for that last play to have be something controversial. So I'm not going to make it something bigger than it is. We uh, we uh, got ourselves in a spot there uh, very early on. Uh, wasn't that we didn't anticipate what San Francisco could do and. Uh, how they were going to play us. I don't think we saw any surprises out there tonight. That's the right answer, Jerry Jones. Dallas was desperate by its own doing. Uh, Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports is here now. Um, Charles, Mike McCarthy won 12 games. Um, his first full, let's call it first full year. By that, I mean with Dak Prescott. Uh, right. Won 12 games this year. Um, so not your proverbial or, or typical hot seat candidate, but I just find it hard to believe that if Jerry Jones is truly starving for a championship after what he saw yesterday, 14 penalties for 89 yards, nine on offense, uh, which even though he's not the play caller is Mike McCarthy's side of the ball, but he's in charge of the entire team. 
how a coaching change can't be on the table for a championship starved franchise. Isn't it something that Jerry Jones has to consider? He didn't give himself an out. He said, I don't want to discuss it at this time. Right. But if you, if you got the horses, yeah. what else is there to consider? Let's just go run it back. Well, first off, let's listen to Stephen Jones because Stephen Jones is supposed to be, if not an equal partner with Jerry, he's supposed to be taking more of a lead role with the franchise. And Stephen Jones has said, I'm very comfortable with Mike McCarthy, um, you know, being the head coach of this team next year. Now, again, that's not, hey, it's completely off the table. This is our guy. Stop asking me, you know, very comfortable and not going to discuss at this time. Leaves a little bit of a crack. Now, my um, thought process on this is for with Dallas is if there were a change, the only way I could see the change happening is a Quinn or more huge. Well, I, I think it would be a I, I, someone's like, well, they just elevate Dan Quinn or, or Kellen Moore or whatever. I, I disagree. I think it would be big. I think it would be a Harbaugh. big. I mean, I, I think well, I think I don't want to <laughs> listen. I'm not saying this is it, but there's a Uh-oh. reason why no, th- well, for seven, eight years, the Sean Payton pipe dream has existed. OK, from people inside the organization, from people outside the organization, the the affinity that Jerry has had. I'm not bringing Sean Payton back into this, but I'm just saying if they were to swap out Mike McCarthy, that it's that type of guy. I think they would be going to get someone where they're like, this is it. This is this is this is clear upgrade, clear upgrade. No ambiguity about this. We're bringing in the individual Mm. who brings it all together. This is the all in push on the head coach to get it done and win the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know that just elevating Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore could really be seen um, as as that kind of move. And by the way, I know I want to say one thing about that game yesterday. I got caught up in the whole last play thing and everything, and I've gone through my opinions of of that whole thing. But when you sit there and you rewatch the game, so I rewatched the game this morning, and what's remarkable about this is Dallas was awful. They were terrible the entire – San Francisco was great. Okay, but let's start with Dallas first. Give up five sacks, okay? Five sacks, Dak Prescott under pressure the entire game. I think you ran for 77 yards. You ran the football for 77 yards. Terrible. Offensive line did not play well. Skill positions did not play well. Guys were dropping balls. Dak did. Dak had one of his worst games, I think, that I've seen in a long time. Um, and then the 14 flags, what's remarkable about those 14 flags is if you break them down, eight of those 14 flags either surrendered Free a first snap. down to San Francisco. Well, they either surrendered a first down to San Francisco or or took a first down away from the Cowboys. You know, you want to destroy yeah. game momentum. Yeah. You want to destroy yeah. your ability to win and move forward. Yeah. Give the other team yeah. first downs for free. Take away first downs from yourself for free. And so, I right. mean, top to bottom, it was just a, a horrendous outcome for for Dallas. And I, I, the the greatest thing from Jerry that takeaway, listen to him talk, was he knows next season this team could look drastically different. Both coordinators could be gone. There could be a number of contributing pieces on this team that will not be brought back for salary reasons. Um, it's. This was a this was I think personally, even though I wrote that this kind of feels like a slip back into the Jason Garrett era, the, this feeling of disappointment when everything seemed to line up and they're ready to take a step. I think it's worse because not only did you not take the step, it's the best team you've had at least since 2014, maybe decades, and it's going to be a lot different next season. So this was like a one shot deal. I think Jerry knows it, and there's going to be a little bit of a mini, not a mini rebuild, but there's there's going to have to be some little reboots internally with some yeah. different things going into next year. Yeah. 
All right, so you've already mentioned that both coordinators could be gone and maybe Mike McCarthy is back. So let's just let's just keep with this thread here. If both coordinators are going or, or might be gone, where are they going? Where's Dan Quinn going? Where's Kellen Moore oh, going? Okay. As a matter of fact, where's Brian Flores going? Uh, where's Gerard Mayo going? Like what? It, just give us an update on some of these coaching moves, solid moves, pending moves. What, what do you got? Um, well, I think Quinn, I, I don't know this personally, but a number when you talk to people around the league who are starting to try and figure out not only their own interviews, but then slotting guys in certain places. There's a lot of people that are keep saying like connecting Quinn to Denver, saying they believe that Quinn is going to be the guy ultimately when everything shakes out um, in Denver. The thing about Denver is they're asking for everybody. I mean, they're, they're Denver's going to do more, more head coaching interviews than any team in the NFL. I mean, it's by the time the list is done, they'll have interviewed basically everybody under the sun. Eric, the enemy is going to go out there. He's going to get an interview. Um, so I, I, I think not only will they interview everyone, I think it's going to be a little bit of a process. It might be a week before we see Denver decide, okay, now we've settled on a, a core group of two or three. Let's now do our second interview. Um, but a lot of people are connecting uh, Dan Quinn to Denver. Kellen Moore, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. I don't know what um, – I think if there is a – play a, a coach who a lot of people would suspect will move but will end up staying i think it actually might be kellen moore who ends up remaining in that oc position for another season um flores look chicago um i think the thing about flores chicago is very very smitten with brian flores the key though with brian flores there's two keys here number one for Chicago to reel him in, they have to talk to Flores and go, okay, the general manager hire is going to be someone you're comfortable with and you want to be connected with. And it's also somebody who's going to be comfortable letting you take the lead in the organization, i.e. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Okay. Very similar type of setup where it, it would be a very much coach driven organization first with a GM being, you know, not on the second tier, but just holding back a little bit um, behind the head coach. So that's got to be resolved. And then I think, it is Chicago resolving whether or not Flores believes in, in Justin Fields. Because from what I understand, wherever Brian Flores goes, he wants to have an upper echelon, upper echelon quarterback. Not a top 15 quarterback, not a top 10 quarterback, but someone who could potentially factor in the top five or six moving forward, um, you know, as he continues his head coaching career, whenever that ultimately happens, whether it's this season or next season. Or whatever. I hear people talking about Houston, and I know I understand uh, Flores tried to bring Jack Easterby into Miami. Okay, didn't work out. Jack Easterby ended up going to to Houston. They're very very close. I think the complication with Flores and Houston is you have a general manager there and Nick Casario, who I don't know whether they would have. Let me put it this way: there would have to be a lot of trust between Flo and Casario. For that relationship to exist because Nick Casario, I don't believe is going to be the type of general manager who's going to sit there and go, I'm going to be second fiddle here. Like, I don't, I just don't get that sense. And, and by the way, Flo also has to be on board with, it's a collective decision-making process there with Casario and Easterby weighing in pretty heavily on anything that they do. Uh, the Raiders players uh, went pretty hard. Understandably yeah. so for Rich Versace. I'm going to get a two for one in here. I threw out Harbaugh when you talked about the mm -hmm. clear upgrade that the Cowboys would need at head coach in order for there to be a move. Harbaugh's name has just been kind of percolating, but then maybe it's just a not not that he should need it, but maybe it's just leverage 
uh, for a new contract at Michigan. Who knows? Like, what's what's the deal there? Is is Oakland a real possibility? Or do the Raiders say, hey, you know what? We got a good thing going. I think Yannick Ngakwe said we're building something special here. Let's right. stay the course with Rich Basaccia. Well, the players clearly came out really strong for Basaccia. Okay, so that added an element into the mix that Mark Davis is now going to have to think about. Um, and I think there's, I think if Jim Harbaugh, say, is that next coach there, there's going to have to be some dialogue here about why he would make that move when the players feel like this is our guy. Now, I don't think it's smart to ever let players pick a coach. I just don't. I think it's it's a mistake. I think it's one thing to let players weigh in. I think it's another thing to let players hand select their coach because then if that coach doesn't work out and it's problematic down the line, who are you really pointing the players at or pointing the finger at? You're going to say, oh, my, all right, the players they also come, right, They also come and go anyway, you know? Right, and they come, <laughs> the right, exactly. Are, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a great, that's a, that's a really good, you know, five years from now, how much of that Oakland roster could be, or geez, Las Vegas roster could ultimately be turned over. So, yeah, that's a complication. I do think Harbaugh, I don't think this is leverage. I really don't. And I don't know if I brought this up with you guys before, but, you know, a few months back when I was talking to somebody about, you know, about Trent Baalke, you know, was really close to Harbaugh. He just said, look, he's going to end his career in the NFL. It's going to happen. Like, just prepare for it. Eventually, that's he's going to transition back. And he brought up a lot of the things that have developed in college that have created a large percentage jump in terms of your responsibilities, that being the portal, the transfer portal, and then the fact that you have to set up an NIL infrastructure inside your college to be able to compete now for recruits from an NIL perspective. Michigan doesn't have that, by the way. Michigan does not have a dedicated NIL structure set up um, on the peripheral of the program. And guess what? Other, other teams do. And so Michigan's got to resolve that. I don't know if Harbaugh wants to go through all of that um, to then continue to compete, particularly if he feels like he can still survive in the NFL and, uh, and and thrive in the NFL. So I think the Raiders thing is, is real. I think that's legitimate. And I also think that if, if Jim Harbaugh wants the Raiders job, he will get the Raiders job and it will not be Rich Bisaccio. You know, Charles, uh, last time we had you on, we were uh, preemptively making the case for David Cully for more than one year. And this is before <laughs> we, we knew what was going down. We were like, oh, this, is, this, is, this would be so unfair. And this happens mm. to black coaches and it actually happened uh, with David Cully. So it now that you've gathered some string, gathered some information, what have you heard? I'm not, not saying that that's definitive, but what have you heard about Cully and why he was one and done in Houston for what seemed like to us on the outside looking in a pretty decent job given the circumstances. Okay, so this is how I view this. All right, go back and watch the introductory press conference with David Culley. Okay. There's not a lot of hedging. Okay. There wasn't talking about culture, talking about the man he was, all these things he can instill on the team, all these different things. When you go back and you watch that, you walk away with a, a feeling of one of two things. Either they were, they were hiring, knowing, knowing that they were going to move on from him in a year that they didn't have the field of candidates that they ultimately wanted. So they were going to basically hire a placeholder, someone to mine the store for a year. Um, so they lied in that, that intro press conference. There was a lot of what was said about him would all smack of lies if that was really why he was brought in to just to, to, to be the caretaker. Okay, or they were wrong and they blew the hire. So it's one or the other. You can't, I don't believe it's, it's, it's I think it's an either or there. Either you blew the hire or you lied when you brought him in about what he was really there to do. Now, the funny thing is the Texans behind the scenes have tried to thread the needle on it. 
okay? So that it's neither of those things. And that's the funny thing. You cover the league long enough, you when you listen to people explain to you why something didn't work out, you figure out how they're trying to thread the needle. Here's how the Texans are trying to thread that needle. The forward vision changed, okay? We didn't, weren't on the same page as far as the vision of where, where the team was going or, oh, geez, the uh, coaching staff changes needed to be made and we didn't agree on that. So if it's about the vision or it's about the coaching staff, guess what it's not about? We didn't blow the hire. He was the right hire. We didn't lie. We really said all, we believed all those things we said. Instead, as the facts change, as the facts change, so did our opinion type thing. (laughs) Instead, it changed in the middle when all of a sudden this head coach, who, by the way, had the general manager on the headset talking about plays live during the game, figuring out how play calling was going to go live. All of a sudden, that coach says, yeah, no way. (laughs) We're not on the same page as far as this is supposed to go moving forward. Yeah, we're not on the same page. I, I'm just like I, it's 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 not plausible to me that they're on the same page. And and I and one other thing, there's this suggestion that the four wins um, for the Texans, the reason why those four wins existed was because his staff was so good. David Culley's staff was so good. Okay, well if his staff was so good, why did you want to make coaching staff changes that you disagreed on? Okay, like what if the staff was so good? What I don't get it. Like what what so what he didn't want to keep the good coaches who helped to earn the four wins or. I, I think it is what it is. I think it is what we see. And I think if the Texans came out and just said the truth and, and he, guess what? We gave David Culley the bag. He got $22 million. I know it's a tough business. The NFL, it's the no friends league. It's how it goes. We paid David $22 million. The reason we're making this change is we look, we look out and we now see two or three candidates who we believe are better head coaches for us make our organization better moving forward and that's who we want to hitch our wagon to it's not it's not a popular thing to say but i think if they said that i would look at them and go i believe that i believe you see better coaches you feel there are better coaches and fits for your organization now that weren't available to you a year ago if you say that at least i think you're telling the truth and you're saying it's it's a tough league but we paid them 22 million dollars it's the best parting gift we can think of for screwing them over Cover up is always worse. Just tell him, Charles, you was born yesterday, but you stayed up all night. Right. Just um, tell the truth. Like, yeah. I, I don't, don't do you have a few more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this over the break. Cause I do uh, have one other thing. I'm yeah, we, well, go ahead and say it as we go I'll to go to break. Go, well, I, 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 just, I think all three of us would agree that sometimes in the sports world, people decide to say the unpopular thing, but they go, but it's the truth and we'll suffer what you think about it. But at least, you know, we're yeah. not lying to you. We're telling Keep you it how above. it really is. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, all right, at least you told me the truth. Like, I still have a negative opinion of it, but at least you told me what was, what the real is. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, we'll get some more of that real for you, we, uh, from you in a second. We talked about coaches. Let's pivot the quarterbacks after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I like pretty much everything Chris Rock does. I have a lot of favorite Chris Rock quotes. 
Probably my number one all-time Chris Rock quote is a man is only as faithful as, as his faithful options. as his options. That's probably Great my night. all-time favorite Chris Rock quote. Yeah. And Charles Robinson, I laughed so hard when I saw the report that Russell Wilson wants to explore his options this offseason. And just for the purposes of context, this is the same Russell Wilson who didn't request a trade, but he had a list. Last right. year, he had a list in the event that he were traded. <laughs> these are the teams for whom he would waive his no trade clause. Basically, he had that list that certain husbands have with certain wives that you know what? If I could cheat, this is who I would cheat with. Fast forward to now, Russell wants to explore his options. Okay, he wants to explore his options, which sounds an awful lot like requesting a trade. Or seeking a trade. I mean, I'm old, Charles. That's how they used to do it. The team would give the player permission to seek a trade, and then you'd explore the trade market, bring us a trade back that you like. So, like, which one is it? Does he want out or not? Or is this Russell being Russell really want out, but not wanting to be the bad guy? Not want to just come out and say, get me up out of here. He wants to kind of have it both ways. What's going on here, Chuck? It's the latter. I mean, you just said it right there. You answered your own question. It's it's the same reason why down the stretch, Russell Wilson made sure to stay in front of the cameras. Well, you know, whatever paraphrasing here, talking about his future going forward, and he would like it to be in Seattle, but he knows his future is going forward. It You know, it's him sending the indication that, hey, I want to be here, but also maybe I kind of want to see what else is out there just in case I don't want to be here. Um, and, and He wants a hall pass. This is, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's he exactly wants. it. He wants a little bit of a hall pass that maybe he, he, he you know, he turns into, into a permanent <laughs> residency change. But he, yeah. listen, um, this is a different way of saying what happened last year, okay, which was last year it was – well, he's not asking for a trade, but his agent does have a list of teams that he would be okay with them being traded to. Like, that's like, hey, I'm not asking you for a divorce, but I do have a couple people lined up that I would be with if I wasn't with you. So what are we doing here? Like, let's move it on. Um, I'm a little surprised, to be honest with you, because uh, when Russell came out and said the things that he said, I felt like he was... There was purpose to it, sort of a he knew where this was going, just like it went last year, and he wanted to cut that off. And then when Pete Carroll and John Schneider met and it was, OK, we're moving forward. Let's keep going. You know, we're not done. We're good. We, we're going to we got some things to smooth out. We'll do that. I felt like the two sides, Russ, Russell and Pete, I think everything was I felt like things were going to get ironed out. I still think there's a chance that that happens. But the idea that Russ wants to survey the field a little bit if if he wants to survey the field the field wants to survey russ okay there are a number of teams out there that are going to be interested and i'll I'll tell you what i'll give you an idea here about the interest there will be in russ i asked a gm who has worked really hard in the quarterback market for the last couple of months i said uh spitball Derek carr for me i said say there's a regime change say that somebody comes in and says, you know what, I kind of want to tear up, start it over. I want to do the Nick Casario or whatever, even though we were just a playoff team. I have different visions here. And one of those things is Derek Carr's worth worth something on the market right now. And I don't want to sign him to a $40 million deal um, when his contract comes up. Let's see what he's worth. This, this GM said to me, he thinks that Derek Carr, if he was actively shopped, would draw something not quite on the Matt Stafford level, but just below it, like right there. Like we're talking some some wow. decent first 
Yeah, some decent first round. Now, I get it. Derek Carr had a hell of a season this year. And I like think first to plus. me, for, yeah, like a first plus. Yeah. And and like a first plus plus. Like it might not be two firsts, but it might be a first, a third, and a fourth, a first and two thirds. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the acquiring team also would know bring Derek Carr in. We're, we're committing resources. We're going to sign this guy to a long-term extension. And, and people might laugh when they hear $40 million. Don't laugh, okay? Because I'm telling you, if Derek Carr That's keeps playing the way he's playing, yeah, if he's playing the way he's playing right now, when Derek Carr n- does his next contract extension, there's going to be a four. The, the, the annual salary number is likely to start with a four. Okay, so, uh, and Russ, which tells you what about Russ? It means that Russ is... He is Deshaun Watson value, okay? Start the conversations with three, three first-round picks. That's what you're starting with with Russ. Um, he is a three-first-round pick quarterback. You're bringing him in to eventually so- probably sign him to an extension, like probably not this offseason, but next offseason. And um, you're, you're, this is your Super Bowl quarterback now. That's, w- that's what you're giving up the resources for. And by the way, I think if he was available, there wouldn't just be one team offering thir- three first-round picks. I think there would be a handful. All right, I have a quick question for you on this, uh, Charles. It's very simple. Does either guy, either the big guys in Seattle, Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson, have the power to say he needs to go? In other words, Russell Wilson wants to stay, says Pete needs to go. Can, can Russell make that happen? Can Pete make that happen about Russell? Either one of them have that kind of power. Um... No, I don't think unilaterally. No, and here's why. Because John Schneider is a much bigger figure in that organization than people want to. I mean, that's not even true. People know what John Schneider is. Like, John Schneider is too big a factor in that organization for one or the other to unilaterally say the other one's got to go. And that's, uh, like, if I think if anything, if you want to talk about which one is most likely to go, it's most likely Russ because it's the one that you can get the most assets out of. Okay. I don't think Pete Carroll, like Pete Carroll would have another job quickly. You can't trade Pete Carroll. I don't think you're not. And and even if you could, you're not going to get the assets out of Pete that you could out of Russ. And by the way, Pete Carroll's not going to cost you when an extension is done 40 plus million dollars a season, which again, it's hard to build teams cohesively um, from scratch anyway, when you're starting with a $40 million quarterback. So I don't think unilaterally either really has that power, but I think that if Russ was to say Pete has got to go, what Russ would probably be doing is pushing himself out the door rather than really forcing any kind of change with Pete. Um, Steelers are going to draft the QB. No shock there. That's what they do. Eagles seem content with the quarterback they have despite his performance. Uh, yesterday, the only other quarterback I really want to spend time with you on Charles. So, so there's not going to be a coaching change. We don't think in Seattle. There has been a coaching change, of course, in Miami, and that, and that's another headline I got a kick out of uh, this weekend. Uh, is uh, the Dolphins? They're committing to Tua, and they're out on Deshaun Watson. Well, yeah, because Deshaun Watson out on them is out on them the moment you kick Brian Flores to the curb. It's like it's like saying, "No, I didn't want to go out with you anyway." It's like, well, easy for you to say now when it's not an option. <laughs> the commitment to the, to, to Tua, though, um, what, how is that gonna? And it's only thirty-two jobs, so guys aren't gonna turn down head coaching jobs. But will the incoming coach share that commitment? to Tua Tungvaluwa, like what's his value or what's his perception around the league? We know about what Brian Flores maybe didn't think about him, or at least we, we, we have an idea that he didn't think very highly of him. What about the incoming coaching candidates? Is Tua an attractive asset 
or the opposite? Is he somebody that an incoming coach would be like, eh, guys, I know y'all drafted him fifth, but I ain't so hot on this kid. You need to find a Sean McVay who looked at Jared Goff and said, I can work with that guy. Okay, that's what you need. Like it's, um, Goff was a good example of a player who, uh, Remember, he wasn't every people who think about Goff and McVeigh, if they think about the, the total picture, you you also think about the heights that Jared Goff reached. Well, remember when McVeigh took that over, Goff was, I don't want to say damaged goods, but he was banged up. Okay. It wasn't a, and things hadn't gone great under Jeff Fisher. There was some question about like and and so it was like, okay, if we're bringing in a head coach, we need him. So what I remember Sean McVeigh was at a courtyard, okay? And he sat down and he broke down all this film of Jared Goff. And he basically went into his meeting with Les Snead and, and Kevin Demoff. And he said, boom, here you go. Here's my film. Let me show you right here. Here's all the things I can improve in Jared Goff's game and raise the level and make him the better, a better quarterback in the system that I bring in. And it worked. And I think the same could be said for Tua. I think you could have a head coach who looks at him and says, here's, here's his limitations. Here's what I know he can do. Here's how my system now can fit to him and bring whatever the top level, the ceiling is, we can bring that out of him. But I also think with Tua and, and whoever that new head coach is, if they are on board with Tua, the the real, uh, I guess, you know, pivot moment is, can Tua be different than Goff was with McVay? Mm-hmm. McVay got to the point where he said, I took your limitations as far as I can. People have adjusted to my system. Now you and I have to change together. We have to change the offense. Yeah. You have to change with me. Let's move forward and grow together. It wasn't happening with Goff, and that's when McVay was out. That's the same with Tua. Okay, someone can come in. They can look at what a ceiling could be. We can build him to a certain level. And then eventually teams adjust because that's what they do in the NFL. They figure it out. And will Tua be able to grow forward with the next coach? I I think coaches are egotistical enough, particularly offensive-minded coaches, to always look at quarterbacks, as long as they're just not completely broken down, can look at them yeah. and say, I can work with this guy and bring the best out. That becomes part especially of your selling it, point. I was about to say, especially if it means you're getting the job. You know? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You'll no, say I mean, what they want to hear. Listen, it did for McVay. That was a big selling <laughs> yeah. point for Mc, right. McVay. Yeah. walking in that room was a big selling point saying, boom. And then, by the way, not only that, meeting with God. When, when he met with Goff, he said, let me show you, let me show you your game mm-hmm. and let me show you how I can make this better. And, and it was yeah. a huge bonus for him. So yeah, because if you really want to be a head coach in the NFL and you can sell that, I can get this guy to his ceiling. And then when we get to the ceiling and people figure it out and adjust, I believe this guy will adjust with me, but you're really kind of like, we'll see. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll see. Just we'll learn from the Rams and don't sign the yeah. big giant extension first. Make sure the, the growth can happen before you sign the extension. Uh, it's been great getting you to empty your notebook as always. We got one more thing before we get you out of here, man. A um, lot of notable injuries, whether it's Bosa with the concussion, Warner with the ankle aggravation, I believe it was. Tristan Wirth or Ryan Jansen on the front uh, yep. the offensive line for Tampa. Larry Ogunjobi's on on IR for Cincinnati. What is the biggest injury that we should be watching out for the rest of this week going into the divisional round? We'll get you out with Wirfs. that with that answer. Wirfs. It's Wirfs. Wirfs. There's no question. There's no like Wirfs, Wirfs and and uh, Jansen. Like Wirfs. Here's the thing about Wirfs. He might be one of the best. Like he might be the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Okay. Like he might. When I did my All Pro ballot. Um, he was one of those guys that stuck out in my mind. Like I remember going through calls and people were like, Debo, don't put Justin Jefferson in over Debo. Here's why Debo's the, the blah, blah, blah. Wirfs was the mm-hmm. one when I did the offensive line breakdown. I, I don't think there was a single person who didn't say Wirfs is the best, uh, you know, 
at his position in the game. And so that's huge. And, and I think also, obviously, having your center, Tom Brady's center, who he trusts, um, who's yeah. pretty nasty. He's a nasty guy, not dirty, but he gets, he gets close. Like it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a, he's a tone setter. And so for those two injuries for Tom Brady, I think are a really, really big deal. Worse hadn't missed a snap in two years. Um, so crazy time for him to have, the, a, have an injury at the beginning of a, the, division, the, a walk our game. The pick that made the most sense for Dave Gettleman that he didn't make, by the way, I just want to, I want to put that out there that that was like, everybody in the league was like, Tristan Wirfs, a Dave Gettleman guy, like it makes the most sense in the world. Didn't pick him. Totally could have changed some of the Dave Gettleman story in New York. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Robinson, we appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Right. That's, that's how right, you get your notebook right there. That's a Monday. That's a Monday news and notes segment. And still right got, there. and he still got some stuff in there though. He still got a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. Like I oh, give you to do it, like, Yeah. You just gotta throw, throw the pass in the right place. Be like, oh, you know what? Just now yeah. that you mention it, you know, yeah, absolutely. Charles just need to tee up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's just your overall feeling about the team coming off of this game against the Bills where this was a competitive team throughout the course of the year, but obviously that was a non-competitive game. Do you feel like that's an aberration or is there something more concerning there? Yeah, well, Chris, I think, uh, you know, we have to take a, you know, a, a good long look again, not at just one game, but at all, all 18. And, um, you know, you, you could argue that there were elements of last night's game and some other games. And But you're right, last night's game was the, the least competitive game that we played last year. So, um, again, that's is that is that what we are or is that a, you know, a bad night, um, yeah. Um, we'll we'll see when we start playing again next year, I guess. You know, when Belichick does that evaluation, and Michael, we're gonna stay away from your Bills evaluations for the rest of the show, just to be safe. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, I, right, I'm man. joking. But when, but, Can't but, take but the this heat. is that's all right. But I do want to I do want to focus on the Patriots. Uh, not only with you, but also uh, with our old French Elise Young. It's like a it's like a Patriots press conference all over again, getting the band back together. Um, you know, and both of you guys know this this current iteration of this team, and really this team much better than I do. It's so good to see you, Shalise. Um It's been What's too up, long. What's up, Shalise? What's up, guys? Um, nothing much. Uh, I wonder when Bill Belichick takes stock, Shalise, will he uh, start with his own bloodline? Because there's a lot talking about taking the heat, Michael. There's a lot of heat on uh, Steve Belichick on the defensive side of yeah. the ball. What say you, Shalise? I, I, it's interesting. I know you just had Charles on, and we did the pod together a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about Gerard Mayo. And 
you know, one of the, and how Mayo we've seen, he's now getting interview requests um, and really a rising star in those discussions on who may be a head coach someday. And the thing that I said at the time was Gerard's going to have to leave New England and to become a coordinator because right now Steve Belichick's the one wearing the headset and calling the plays, but I can't see Bill taking that away from Steve, but after what we've seen the last couple of weeks, particular, particularly what we saw on Saturday, you have to wonder if he's going to reassess that and at minimum, you know, start calling the defensive plays himself uh, moving forward. It's, 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 this is the problem that you have when you have your own sons on your staff is you know, A, there's always going to be questions, did they earn it? And B, when there's a performance like there was on Saturday, there's going to be questions to to have them sent off and have them replaced. You know, Shalise, one of the questions he was asked there, and I think that same press conference, that must have been Sunday morning, somebody asked him, hey, are you going to coach again next year? You know, Belichick always gave this comment, Hey, it's not like I'm going to be Marv Levy out there coaching in my 70s. And my point was always that I really wasn't about 70s. That was about Marv Levy. Those guys got beef and he was just trying to take a shot at Marv. Uh, but did you think there was any chance that Belichick three wins away from number two, George Hallis? Do you, you think there was any chance that he started thinking, hey, maybe a couple more years, I'm going to step away from this thing? Yeah, it's interesting. I remember him saying that quote, Michael, about Marv Levy and I didn't really, you know, I always kind of thought, well, when he hits 70, then that's going to be it. And I think that's coming very soon. Um, I, I thought when, when Brady left that it would sort of reset things and it would rekindle his desire to show that it wasn't just Brady that got all the championships and it wasn't just Brady that, you know, made the Patriots a relevant franchise over the last two decades and that Tom uh, that Bill Belichick had a big hand in that as well. So I wonder if he'll stay for a couple of more years and, and see, you know, can they win um, at least get to an AFC championship game with Mac Jones and then he can show everybody, look, it's not just Tom um, because what else is he going to do? I mean, he seems like he's still into it and this whole new thing where he's apologizing to media um, for being short with them and thanking <laughs> them for their patience. I, it's, I don't know what the, I, I can only imagine it's he's a grandfather now and that that's made him soften a little <laughs> right. bit. I don't know what else would have caused that. Belichick giving loose change out of his pockets to his grandkids, um, giving them candy and whatnot. So you said something about um, Steve Belichick earlier, Shalise, that uh, dovetails into the conversation I want to have with you, uh, whether or not he deserved it in the first place. And, and we know with head coaches oftentimes, uh, or executives for that matter, or even ownership, go all the way up, deserves got nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, you wrote very eloquently, as usual, uh, in the aftermath of uh, David Culley's uh, firing in Houston, and I spent the whole weekend uh, thinking about it, as I'm sure y'all did, and just the landscape. And I saw where the league is encouraged by the diversity of the interviews uh, that have been scheduled so far. The Fritz Pollard Alliance came out and said that now is a time for progress uh, with, uh, with these openings across the league. Um, and I wonder what progress looks like. I wonder what progress looks like because, and I, and I, and I know you guys have been talking about this and writing about this for years. I know I have been for 20 years. And it feels like we're talking about the same thing that we've been talking about since the very beginning. Partly because we're talking about a 32 team conglomerate, a 32 corporation conglomerate. 
um, whereas one job 32 different times because one guy get, come, be, it being reduced to one black coach in the league, Shalise. Well, it was three. That was awful to begin with. One is just is just a lot worse after a week that saw Flores and Carly get hired. So I just go back to that, that same question. You know, there's a lot of people getting interviewed. We'll see how many black coaches actually get a job. But even if it's one or two or three, even let's say it's Flores again, followed by Bowles and Leftwich or the enemy. Then we're still talking about a fraction of the coaches that are black compared to obviously a playing uh, a workforce of seventy percent. So what does progress look like to you, Shalise? It's interesting because I'm not entirely sure. You know, if everyone's trying to trumpet the interviews, and I was doing the same thing when I when I started seeing, oh, this person's being interviewed for GM position, and then I reminded myself they have to be interviewed. That's the whole point of the Rooney rule. That's all the changes they keep making is you have to interview at least two people of color for these openings. You have to interview at least two, you know, head coach, GM, um, and I think it's at least one each for coordinator now. So, of course, we're seeing these names because they have to. And now the question becomes, is it more just tokenism and checking a box, as we've seen happen time and time again as recently as last year, when there was a report that Shad Khan had offered Urban Meyer the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching position in like December, and then in early January, well, then he interviewed Eric Bieniemy and Robert Sala, and I think it was Raheem Morris was the third one. So check those boxes, but we've already picked you know the white man that we want to coach our team. It's if you. I'm not sure what the number is. You know, that's what people say all the time. Well, what would make you happy? More than three. More than three would make yeah. me happy. <laughs> more than more than four would make me happy. I mean, if you do it on on a proportional basis, because I'm sure you guys have seen the same things on Twitter um, and other social media places that I've seen is, well, black people are only 13% of the American population. So oh, therefore, yeah. you know, they should only be 13% of X, Y, Z. Well, let's use that right. number then. If the NFL is 67, you know, two thirds to 70% black men, why shouldn't the head coaches be 70% black men? And I'm not saying that's what I necessarily want to see happen. I would love it if that were the case. But, you know, if, if you want to throw these things back at us on what's proportionally correct, well, 50% yeah. of this country is women, but yet we don't see 50% of women in, in leadership positions anywhere. And almost 70% of NFL players are black men, and yet we're not even close to 50, you know 70% of black men in leadership positions in the NFL. So, you know, clearly what I, what I need, what I want to see happen is actual belief from these owners that they believe that black men are worthy of doing something other than play, that they know that they yeah. can do more and not yeah. just that, well, let me bring in Raheem Morris. And the Houston Texans brought in Heinz Ward. He's a receivers coach at Florida Atlantic. I mean, that just reeks of box checking. I'm in respect yeah. to Heinz. I know he was a phenomenal player, but bringing in a college position coach for an, an interview, just it just to me smacks of what well, we're checking that box. There's one of the two we have to do. Yeah, and I, I guess that that's the point. You you just said it very well there at the end. You know, owners, general managers, 
getting to the point where they, where you know they believe that this person can do the job. I'm not doing it because you're asking me to do it. I'm doing it because I've looked at all the candidates and I know that person can do the job. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't, I, I can't speak for anybody else. I'm going to ask you to, to speak for somebody else anyway. How do we get to that position where we convince these folks That's, I don't, that we're capable sorry, of doing I, the job? I, I don't think we do. Not these people. I, right, right, that's, that's, right. That's, that's, that's why I don't think. I know. I, that's why I think the I problem is. I ask the question. Is, no one is. It's yeah. an unfair question. The, I, in my heart of hearts, and maybe I'm just, you know, on MLK Day of all days, I'm starting to lose hope. Of all days. But I think, mm -hmm. I think the problem is unsolvable. Yeah. Because even because people say black ownership. Well, how many we talk? We, we talking. We're not going to all of a sudden just integrate ownership and just start owning NFL teams. And, and, and even those black owners aren't going to automatically default to hiring brothers to run their teams. I don't I think that's exactly. that's probably assuming too much too. So right now mm -hmm. we may get to we may get to six coaches. Let's let's say Flores, the enemy uh, bowls and left which all get jobs. Hell throw in Leslie Frazier. That brings it to six. Mm -hmm. Guarantee you six years from now, we're back down to two. Like mm -hmm. it, it, the cycles, it, they're going to cycle through. It's going to be the same issues over and over again. Hell, Eric Vietnam, shouldn't have to no. wait this long to begin with, Shalise. And that's just as a for instance. No, 100%. I mean, it, 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 we've brought up Biennemi, and I think at this point, he only has one interview scheduled or one interview request. And, you know, we've held him up year after year after year. And it's a little bit unfair to Eric, really, at this point. But what else is are you supposed to do? What else are you supposed to do as a coach than do what Eric Bieniemy has done over the last several years? You know, they keep holding this. Well, he's not the play caller thing over his head. He is in the room every day with the best young quarterback in the NFL. He has guided his career. He's been with him along the way the whole entire time he's won a super bowl they've been to another afc title game you know we're seeing them put the pieces together look what they did last night granted the steelers weren't exactly the greatest opponent that they could have gone up against but you know and still eric the has interviewed 13 times before this year and we have seen just coach after coach after coach with a fraction of the experience and success that he has get head coaching opportunities. And, you know, it's just so, it's just so frustrating. And I'm with you, Mike, I've pretty much lost hope at this point. I was fortunate enough to speak to Amy Trask last week, uh, the former Raiders CEO. And she mentioned that she sort of wishes there could be this kind of corporate Darwinism because there's so much data that shows that companies that have diversity and inclusivity at its highest levels are far more successful than companies that don't. And she wishes yep. that, you know, companies that don't follow that fail. And the, it's yeah. all there. You know, we hear all the time, well, the NFL is a business. Well, why don't you run it that way? Businesses that have diversity and inclusivity at their highest levels are more successful. And yet we see again and again and again, you know, Nick Sirianni, yes, he got his team to the playoffs. But tell me that he deserved a shot ahead of Eric Bieniemy, or even, and I keep banging this drum, Pep Hamilton. I spoke to Scott Pioli last year. I, Scott, <laughs> yeah. I spoke to Scott Pioli last year, and he agreed with me. If you took Pep Hamilton's name off of his resume and put it on the desk of any GM or owner in the league, they would run to schedule an interview with Pep Hamilton. 
because of the things yeah. that he has done and the things that he has accomplished in this league and can't even get a, isn't even a coordinator right now, let alone get a sniff for a head coaching well, job. Yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's just, and each of them, again, each of these teams, they aren't thinking about the big picture. You know, Houston's not thinking about the optics. Well, they are for their purposes, but they're not thinking about the league wide optics when they hired David Cully after the job he did, you know, um, Miami isn't thinking about how bad of a look it is to get rid of Brian Flores after back-to-back -back winning season. So each of these teams is, is, is not thinking about the collective when it comes to black coaches. They're just thinking about who's the best coach for us. And more often than not, the best coach just doesn't look like the three of us. Well, and, well, and, 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 but why and, is that the case? Because even when they're successful, they're, they're not successful enough. Who's done more for exactly. the Detroit Lions franchise over the last 30 and years Caldwell. than Jim Caldwell? And he should have, and he should have, and he should have another job. You had to fire him, and you brought in Matt Patricia, who won 13 games in almost three full seasons. 13 games. Right. So, my, but my point, my, my point in saying that that it's not that each of these organizations is looking at it themselves is actually, and Mike, I know, you, I know you feel the same way, and Shalise, you as well, because you, something you said earlier still stands out. Is that yeah, we could be encouraged about these interviews and and these names that we're seeing. But how can you be encouraged about something that they're mandated to do and not just <laughs> right, mandated right, to do, right. but, rewar but rewarded, rewarded, rewarded for doing so. Right. The, the, the deal. It's the actually deal not progress, right? It's actually not progress. It's regression. It's reg right. it, we're taking a step backward. If we have to make them view us as viable candidates, that's actually a step backward, not one forward, because all it makes us do is distrust the process. The best we can hope for right now is a fair equitable and integrous process. We can't even trust that because like you said, Shalise, that's what they're supposed to do. We're giving them a cookie right. for something that they're supposed to do. Right, right. No, Chris, yeah, Chris Rock I, was never wrong. <laughs> no, I, I'm just gonna say, Mike, just real quick, and I'm not saying you're saying this. I agree with you that teams like the Dolphins and Texans aren't looking at the big picture. They're thinking about what's best for them. Maybe they should think about the big picture because when they generally think about what's best for them, they make bad decisions. Miami's been making bad decisions for a generation. <laughs> and the Texans are really Let somebody a flawed else franchise. <laughs> so why not? Why not think big yeah. picture? That might actually yeah. help your 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 clear thinking. That might make, help you think clearer and, and smarter. Yeah. It's it's just and so frustrating. I, I had a former um, front office executive who is a black man text me on Friday night. Um, after my column posted and, and he said, you know, they don't, they don't care about us. And, and yeah. it's just heartbreaking because I don't, what do you say to that? You know, I, I, right. you can offer hope, but it just seems empty. You know, I, I, again, I don't, I, and it's funny because of course it is MLK day, but I don't really feel like there's going to be any great change over the next two, three, four years. You have to reward people with a, with a third or fourth round draft pick because they, if I own a business, shouldn't I want to develop my employees to do better and be better and, 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 you know, take on, not take on more responsibility, but move up the ladder, but you have to offer yeah. somebody a third round draft pick for doing that. If you're, if you have a better front office, no matter what the composition of your front office is, if they're drafting better and doing better and, and you know, managing the salary cap, well, that's better for your franchise. Right, right, right. <laughs> why, why should you, like, 
we're really going to, oh, you can get a third round draft pick because you developed this person. Are we really? You know what that's, you know what that's like, Shalise? That's like running a draw with 14 seconds left. You're desperate. You're reaching. <laughs> you're searching. You know, you're really searching because ultimately, and, 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 and guys may get higher this year. The bros may get higher this year, but will it represent real change? We're right. still going to be dealing with the same double standards. There's no different in like, oh, look at all the black quarterbacks. There's still a double standard. There's still systemic right. racism. Six six black coaches could get head, head coaching jobs, and that double standard won't have been obliterated overnight. But we would be remiss if we did not recognize there are still people doing this work that are still operating from a place of hope. There are so many alliances and fellowships, too many to name, that are doing everything possible to make black coaches, whether it's putting them on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's networking, whether it's uh, you know preparation for interviews, so many people working to make black coaches more attractive to white owners and largely white management. And hopefully their work is gonna be rewarded, uh, not just this hiring cycle, but moving forward. Shalice, you are incredible. We appreciate you, keep up the great work. Uh, best to the family, we'll talk to you again soon. See you guys right, in Shalice. Cali. All right, be good. That's right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. was crazier the fact that there wasn't text messaging back when the Bengals last won a playoff game or that Michael Jordan was not even an NBA champion the last time the Bengals won a playoff game before wow. Saturday now look that wow. was an egregious a terribly egregious officiating mistake and who knows yeah. how that game goes if if Trayvon Morick doesn't slow down when he hears a whistle and makes a play on that touchdown to Tyler Boyd. Who knows? That was awful. That was a black eye on the league. That was a black mark on the league. That was that was that whole game was poorly officiated. Yeah. But that was probably yeah, the worst was. moment of the weekend. Having said all that, great moment for the long-suffering fans of Cincinnati. Great moment in the brief history of brother from another. As my Cincinnati Bengals, a team that didn't want to win, a team that shouldn't have drafted Jamar Chase. And yeah, Michael, I know you came around. You came around in time to jump on the, the last few seats of the bandwagon before the playoffs came around. I, I know, but I'm still going to give you this work. I'm still going to remind you of how hard you went at the Bengals in the offseason and all season, yes. telling me how fraudulent they were when I told you this was yes. a new day in Cincinnati, okay? And not only did they get their first playoff win, it was the first of many to come in the Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon era. And it ain't the last one this postseason because they got your Tennessee Titans coming up. I know Mike Vrabel's your boy. I know that's your coach of the year. I know that's your new, your latest and greatest AFC 
Super Bowl pick, I, I believe. I, I'll lose track of, of who's bandwagon you on. You might be on the Chiefs. I don't know. Bottom line, Bengals about to get another one. They finally got one. Now they about to get another one in Nashville. Just, just prepare yourself to have to eat even more yeah. crow. After eat more of your more of your words. How does your foot taste? I'm not gonna say what Shaq once said. I'm gonna say I'm gonna just ask you. How does your foot taste watching the Bengals win a playoff game? I'm pretty sure you said they wouldn't even make the playoffs. Not here they are in the divisional round. How's it feel? Well, it's funny that you would use feet as the analogy because I'm a big foot fan. <laughs> you know, some people call it a fetish, but I don't think it's a fetish at all. But uh, th that's for another show at another time. But I just want to point what out. Do you? That, that that's right. Uh, I'm not on the bandwagon. I'm not on Cincinnati's bandwagon. You have been uh, on their bandwagon for a long time, and now you've probably taken it sucker. too far. But I appreciate. It. I, it. I built it. You've 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 taken it too far today. But I got to tell you, Michael, I was happy for them. I was happy for Cincinnati. I was so happy to see them win the game. Happy to see. Uh, Zach Taylor do what he did and happy for the fan base where they can change this conversation. You want to talk about pretext and Michael Jordan wasn't a champion. How about this little this little play on words. The last time they won a playoff game their quarterbacks name was boomer. That guy is now a boomer <laughs> boomer science. That's how long it's been since they, they won a playoff game. So uh, look man. I like when anybody playoff uh, football team or family or individual or business. I like when anybody is able to come in and break a generational curse that fan sign. The curse is broken appropriate because they started to feel that way. The fans did. I don't know what the players thought, but I know the fans of Cincinnati start to think what is it about us? What's wrong with us? Why can't we just get a playoff win? We're not asking just win one. Super just, a right how about, how just a peek. How about win a playoff game? Just a peek. Just a peek. Just a peek. Can we win a playoff game? Can we just I'm, win a playoff I'm game? Go, so you thought win. I went far? I don't. I don't think you thought I went far. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. They're, even they're not. I'm going even farther. No, they're not. Yeah. they're not better. I don't think they're better than Tennessee. I don't think they're going to beat Tennessee. I, actually, yeah. I think both. I think both divisional round games will be fairly lopsided. I think Kansas City's going to get Buffalo. I going to get Buffalo that work, and Tennessee's going to do the same thing as Cincinnati. <laughs> I, I was just about to say, like, okay, that's fine. You don't care that they're as good as Tennessee. You don't think Buffalo's very good, so that just goes to show what you know. Here's what's going to happen. Not only are they going to we'll beat Tennessee, I say when the playoffs started, why not Cincinnati? And you know what that is, Michael? In all honesty, that's a fence straddling way of saying I could see. Don't I be know. surprised yeah, yeah. if. Go ahead. Don't go be. Ahead. You know, don't be fence. shocked if the Bengals the end up in the Super Bowl. That's so. Once they end up in the Super Bowl, I can say I told you so, even though I never outright and explicitly told you so. Okay. We're just gonna put it on record right now, and then I'll destroy it if necessary. Okay. I have this tape deleted if necessary. Okay, not only are they gonna beat Tennessee, but you know Kansas City as great as Kansas City looked last night. Kansas City looked like they got the air. They were in their bag last night and they looked like they got the AFC in the bag. Patrick Mahomes out here throwing for 405 touchdowns, sending Ben Roethlisberger out the pasture. They looked incredible against an overmatched Pittsburgh Steelers team, but they look incredible. Yeah. Kansas City, they, they, they look like they got the AFC on lock, but then here's Buffalo blowing the doors off of New England. I'm telling you, I got Kansas City in that game. 
although not a blowout. I think Buffalo's for real. I'm telling you, Kansas City do not want to see Cincinnati again. And when they do, Michael, when we get to LA, God willing, and the creek don't rise, you're going to have to endure a whole week. I hope, I'm glad you're happy for Cincinnati. You got to endure a whole week of talking about Cincinnati in a Super Bowl. I'm going all in. I'm, got, I'm switching my pick again. Switching my pick again. Switching it again. I'm getting, got, I'm, getting, I'm getting carried away. This is me getting carried away. Okay? They got one. Getting, they got all they one. Do is get that one. They got, they, hold on. Just break through. They got one playoff win. They got one playoff one. win. Now I'm putting them in 31 years. Now you got them two yeah. more. Yes. Now you got two more. Yeah, just, I'm, yes. Oh, okay. just, I'm just going crazy. Two more. Just, in just, the next, just in going the next crazy. couple weeks. Just, you know what I mean? Why not? Why not? But who they? Why not? Why not? Yes. That's just that's just me getting carried away. Completely care because I want it on record because I because come next week after they beat Tennessee, I want to be ahead of the conversation. I don't want it to That's be. Good. Wait a second, hold on. I want. What, I, what, can Cincinnati I want win the rematch with the Chiefs? Oh my goodness, Joe Burr. Wait, wait, maybe they're ahead of schedule. All the things, all the talking points people are gonna have next week. I'm just getting ahead you of it. Get now. ahead of That's it. That's all. You have it. just getting ahead of it. Like, I wouldn't it. mind. Yeah. See if it's if it's actually Cincinnati, I don't mind seeing Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. I wouldn't mind it. It, would, it wouldn't bother me. If Buffalo gets there, that's a real problem. Okay, because like, oh, yeah. that's, that's bad for business. I got for you. I got to just put myself. I put myself way out there, and they 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 come at me in a very disrespectful way. So now you know. Now it's a problem. It's war. It's war. So I am against Buffalo. Let me just make that clear. I'm against Buffalo advancing. Kansas City, go ahead and do that thing. But in all seriousness, Kansas City, I think has been through. Kansas City and Tennessee have been through a lot this year. Tennessee of just kind of losing the face of their franchise for an extended period and He'll then figuring it out and then getting the number one seed and having him come back. That that's when you really learn what you made of. But Kansas City, I love what they've done. They already knew. They already knew that they could just run up and down the field on people. They knew that. And when they struggled to do that at the beginning of the season, hey, what's wrong with Kansas City? They showed you we're not just left brain, we right brain too. The left brain, right brain, Kansas. We good at math and we good at art. Okay, we can dance, we can draw, and we can be engineers. I mean, they've got the whole thing going on. So I think they are the most complete team. And I, I said this about Tennessee early in the year. They're the most thorough team. But I think Kansas City, Kansas City proved something to itself. Like, yeah, yeah, we got Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and, and Hill and we got Biennemi and we got Reed. Oh, that's scary. But our defense, but our defense is dope too. I, I think they didn't know that when the season started. Their defense is good. I don't know about dope. I don't know about dope. I know Pittsburgh's offense was done. You know, their quarterback was done. He's, he looked exhausted. It, hey, he, had, he, ran, he ran the race. He ran yeah. the race. Great career, Bon Voyage, Ben Roethlisberger. Everybody's time is up, and he had a phenomenal career. See you in Canton, but yeah. there were no. You want to talk? You want to, just what you said about Buffalo and New England? That that was similar to last night's matchup. That that team was on a different level, good. different level. And you saw the same with Tampa yeah. and Philadelphia. Just different level, just a different level. That yeah. that seven C didn't quite have the, the, the kind of quality you would want out of a playoff team in either conference, quite honestly. Too many playoff teams? Is that what you're saying? Too many playoff teams? Go I, back I to felt 12? that way. At, too many games, too many playoff teams. I felt that way at the beginning. I hated the expansion. I didn't need seven. I need seven playoff teams in each conference. No, thanks. 
All right, Mike, uh, it's MLK Day, and I always, uh, I always get uh, inspired on a day, on this day, and not just because of the speech that everybody shows, that you show in schools and grade school students talk about the I Have a Dream speech, which a lot of uh, MLK scholars will tell you that's not even his best one, and that was in 1963. And it's not just because of the uh, rhetoric in that speech, but it was just the evolution of King. So that happened in August of 1963. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he, was, he was killed in, uh, in April of 1968. In those five years, he had done a lot of work. His thinking had come around. But I really want to focus on the love of, of Martin Luther King. Just imagine, just imagine your whole philosophy is based on love. I know he was a reverend, he was a Baptist minister, but he wasn't one of those Baptist ministers who said, hey, my whole, my whole philosophy is based on you can't cuss, you can't drink, you must do this, you must do that. It was all about love. So whether you were a Jewish or Muslim or Christian, his foundation was love. And, and, and just think about how difficult that is, especially in the times that we're in right now, his response to anything you said to him, any kind of disrespect you threw his way, anything you did to him physically or spiritually or culturally, his response was, how do I respond in love? That's so hard to do. I struggle with that. I know you do too. We all do. But beyond that, the most dangerous, I always say, Mike, the most dangerous prayer you can have is if you say to God, use me any way you will. Let me be an instrument, Lord, whatever you want to do. Take you up on it. And that's... <laughs> Yeah, he take, because Martin Luther King, a lot of people don't know this. Martin Luther King did not want to do this. He did not grow up wanting to be some activist. He wanted a career in academia. God used him to change the world. So I just wanted to shout out. That's why the outfit is on today. Shout out the, the great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, for those listening at home, um, if you want to celebrate the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, go study. Well said, Michael. Go study. Yeah, study. Study what? Go study. Go 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 read. Let, go letter from a Birmingham take jail. Take your pick. Take your pick. Yes. Well said. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.